Last time on Masters of Modern. Garrick is just pure beef. Rouse think- Garrick has the dumbest face I've ever seen. Though not good cards, I think Sarkins are just generally pretty sweet. And for number 30, the best not good planeswalker, Nickel Bullis. Because you'd just play Cruel Ultimatum if you had it. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Mine. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? We got 30 more Planeswalkers is, to talk about. This is part two of a two-part series. If you didn't listen to the first one, go back to last week. We counted down all of the bottom half of the top 60 Planeswalkers. There's only 60. One legal and modern. So we did we did 31 last week. A bunch of like largely unplayable, but like some kind of sweet ones. Like the final 10 were, were pretty sweet. But yeah, like, well, that's like the, the bottom 10 were like... Like laughably bad. <laughs> yeah, and then like the middle 10 were like, oh, I don't really know where to put these. They're just not good. And then the last 10 are kind of cards that I can one time, someone could convince me that it belongs in their deck. Having the realization that like, that like Obnixilis is, is like a similar card to Garrick, seven mana Garrick, but like neither are playable, just makes you realize like how not good seven mana Garrick actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I will say uh, some some miss, misses and and oh, so those who know don't know this, we consulted deck doctors, card scientists, and these these are ironclad. Stephen Hawking. We, they can't. Everything here is absolutely correct and objectively correct. So based you know, on years of playtesting, years of playtesting and study, and someone melted some cards down, put them in beakers, dripped them into other beakers. You know what would be really fun? Put it in one of those DNA spinny things that you see in CSI. You know what would be really fun? Would be we take our list, our full list, and I think we maybe do this after the Innistrad release because we're going to have some sweet new Planeswalkers. Uh-huh. Um, and we do like a bracket system like Marrow does, and we start posting them on Twitter, like number one. Like seed them based on this yeah, list. Like, That'd be kind of cool. I'd in fact, it's March Madness right now. We should just do that now. Like it's like we're in the middle yeah. of a bracket. Like we should just do that. I'm down. All right, we'll talk well, about that. I, I kind of want to wait. Like once all the planeswalk, we'll we'll start next week because I think we'll have all four of the planeswalkers from the most recent set week. available. Yeah, there was another one spoiled this morning, but we won't talk about that. Werewolves, right. sweet. Yeah. I think it's just like two, two, three damage, two, two, three damage. Do you like it? Yeah, I think it's it's decent. Yeah, it seems fine. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like very like it's like a very hunt master. What was really annoying about it is I went on a rant last week on the episode about how much like the untap ability doesn't actually protect a planeswalker, but right. I do actually think her the creature gets vigilance and plus two plus two does that. Right. Because it's you're getting value on it, and if you don't need have that available, then just make the two two and flipper. So like, yeah. The just, only thing that I find like a little bit confusing about flip planeswalkers, like just I mean, I did play Garrick Relentless when he was actually able to. It's how like the loyalty stays the same between flips. Yeah, just just only because like what we've been getting with Jace so recently, Rinse Prodigy, is like you get to activate the creature side of him and then flip him and then use him again. So he just like feels like. That, I'm just sort of used to that now. So with right, right. Planeswalkers, I'm like, oh, I should be able to use this both sides when it flips, but you can't. No, yeah, you get one of the abilities. Um, uh, something something also to bring up, and it's relevant to that, uh, I do think actually I would put the flip Garrick a little higher than we did Yeah. in hindsight because the rules have changed or okay. are changing. So uh, Abrupt Decay no longer kills the backside. Right. And I think that could be one of the many reasons that card doesn't see some play because sure. it used to be just awful against Abrupt Decay. And it now would flip it's, and then, yeah. Now it's not as terrible. All right. Um, before we get into the 30, we should mention a couple things. The yeah. first one is check out our sister podcast, also on Rocketship.com. Command Zone. We just had their 100th yeah. episode. Yeah, we just yeah. had their 100th episode. It was a big deal. They had all kinds of cool guests. Awesome. Uh, I recommend watching the actual video version of it, not listening to the episode, because the video has all this cool stuff. They like do deck tech. They like build decks. 
yeah, and they on do. the episode. And they, yeah, it's, it's very cool. Those guys did a great job with that. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. You can find them also on Twitter at CommandCast. Um, at the CommandCast. Yeah. Um, we are on Twitter at, at the MMCast. Yeah. And personally, I'm Ben Bateman Media. I'm Matt Kess Wiley. And last but not least, we have a Patreon account we launched recently. We launched it like uh, three or four weeks ago. And the point of the Patreon is that we want to provide more content, video content especially, and we don't have the means or budget to do it without your help. So we decided to ask for a little bit of help from our friends, you guys, and you helped us. Um, yeah, we've got like a small a small pool going of uh, funds to make cool stuff. We we released our first bonus episode with Jerry Thompson a couple weeks ago. Um, we have some other stuff in the works, deck doctor stuff. Patreon subscribers are allowed to submit decks for us to review, and then we will deck tech them every couple weeks yep. on the podcast. Live stream episodes. Yep, we're gonna be doing like live like we're I think we're at like four hundred something. Once we hit five hundred a month, we're gonna start video streaming. Yep. That's the next goal. So. Uh, anyway, check that out and let us know what you think and tweet at us and all that. Without further ado, the top 30 planeswalkers of all time in modern. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, probably Jace the Vine Sculptor would be number one, but it's not legal. Jace the Vine Sculptor would definitely be number one, yep. and it's not even close. Someone brought a good point that literally our best and worst planeswalker is Jace, because Jace the Living Guild Pack was number 61, and Jace the Mind Sculptor, whose band would be number one if it's, he was unbanned. I find <laughs> I find Jace the Living Guild Pack just baffling. Like We started the podcast out with this, and we thought we were going to try to cover 61 in one episode, which was foolish on our part. We should have talked a little more about him, I think. It, it's just kind of insane that they printed a four-mana Jace, and they were like, yeah, yeah, this card's totally reasonable to play. This is a fine card. And, like, how's the worst Planeswalker ever, Jace? He's supposed to be the flagship character. You can't make a bad Jace. Yep. I mean, you made they made a bad Jace. They made a bad Jace. Actually a bad Jace. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, around the time Living Guild Pact was uh, close to being previewed, somebody came up with a six-mana fake one, right? Wasn't there, like, a six-mana... I don't even remember. There was the a amount six of mana... weird fake Planeswalker speculations. There's the blue-black one that just got, like... Just yeah, reddited around. Is it cool? Uh, like it had like thought seizes one of its abilities and, oh. and thought scour. I think was another one. I don't know. Oh, those sounds sweet. But yeah, I mean, it was sweet. Yeah. I mean, the, I just remember like there was a six mana Jace that got spoiled that seemed like sort of unexciting around the same time, but it was a fake. And then this one came out, and I was like, God, I hope this is a fake. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, let's get on to thirty. Number thirty, which is ironic because this is kind of like reverse Nickel Boss, who was number thirty one. A Johnny Mentor of Heroes. Oh, yeah. This is the five-mana Johnny, the green-white one, right? Yeah. This is the one oh, that... Technically, this is 29. So we're actually starting... We did the 30. Nickel Bloss is 30. This is 29. So a Johnny Mentor of Heroes. This is the green-white one. One green, one white, three colorless. Uh, he's like a he's like a, a hybridized... Uh, helps out your creatures, but also like provides some card advantage, a Johnny, right? Yep. No, no, he, like, he, he gains 100 life as his ultimate. He puts a bunch of counters on a thing, and I think it, the plus is the draw card in some way. Yeah, plus one, distribute three plus one, one counters among one, two, or three target creatures you control. Plus one, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an aura card, creature, or planeswalker, and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library, or you can gain 100 life for minus eight. So he's four loyalty on five mana, and his plus one gets you to five. So you're going to play him, and he's going to come down with five loyalty and an ability. Sure. Something I do think that's cool that they've done with the Johnny is they've kind of moved him into more of a Obi-Wan Kenobi like position. He's now like the wise older planeswalker that's seen some stuff and is gonna, and I do think Nicol Bolas being the Darth Vader of this universe for this metaphor, 
I think they're going to fight the next time Nicol Bola shows up, and I think Johnny's going to die. That sounds cool. That sounds like something that involves story, but we asked you guys last episode if you wanted <laughs> to hear more about Magic Story, and despite my uh, protesting, it was confirmed yeah. immediately. Flavor unite. <laughs> immediately. Now, All I right. tried to make it 10 votes, but Kessler made it, or I tried to make it 50, he tried to make it 10. We got like 10 in like an hour, so that's what's going to happen. Yep, We're yep, going to yep, do a yep. bonus episode at some point. Probably next month. All right. Number 28. Yes. Chandra Flamecaller. This is new Chandra. Six mana, good Chandra. Okay, this is the one. So this is like the Chandra that your point was, this card is a win condition and a control deck and nothing else. Well, it, it, it draws you to more cards, which is something a control deck wants because it, it nets you plus a card and makes the cards in your hands better if they're not good enough. Okay. And it's a threat. Yeah, I mean, it's... It does a lot of what Karanos does. Yes, it's a six drop. That is a problem. But I do think it kills a person way quicker than Karanos does. It comes down for six loyalty, pluses up, goes to five... Or comes down for six mana with four loyalty, pluses up, and goes to five, and then attacks for six, and then just gets killed. Like By what? Anything that can kill a Planeswalker or deal five damage or attack What it? things can kill a six drop Planeswalker? I mean, That's anything... That's in play. Abrupt Decay and the new Vindicate. I oh, guess. you're talking. You're talking like legitimately in modern. Yeah, legitimately in modern. What? What? And like five. Like yes, Reality Smasher is really good against Chandra. But okay, or so they they play this and they attack and you don't block and then you attack. Have a have, a, have another six damage coming at them that they didn't. And really then you block like Tarmogoyf. You just like attack. So you've with done your twelve for six damage. Tarmogoyf is the one thing. Yeah, you just like attack. But with like your Tarmogoyf. You why would you play a six drop if you had a Tarmogoyf that you needed to kill in front of you? I mean, I don't know, because you're saying that this card is... And if you, if you do, can't kill the Tarmogoyf, and they're going to attack this instead, then you got to draw six cards, and you get to play a card that can then kill the Tarmogoyf. Six cards? Or draw the cards equal to your hand size plus one. All so you right. get to draw into it an answer if you I, need to. I understand that on an intrinsic power level, like this is powerful. And if you compare it to like some other red Planeswalkers that have been not particularly powerful over time, I can see how where your logic is with this. I don't think this is main deck, and if it is, it's a one-of. But I, do, I can see this as either a one-of main deck or a sideboard card that sees definitely sees play you're thinking like okay maybe in like the blue white red decks or something this is the top end. yeah or like in the the whatever the kiki decks become now Got or it. the the splinter twin decks become i don't buy it let's move on <laughs> okay number 27 kiora the crashing waves this, this is, is og kiora this is the good kiora yeah this well, is the it bubbles air, a thing air quotes good when explores you say, when you say bubbles a thing you mean that it is the one that uh it, it like gets to un tap oh no, no no target creature can't do or can't receive damage until its next turn until that opponent's until yes. your next upkeep and it also explores for minus two it comes out on three loyalty yep. and minus two to uh, draw a card and play an extra land this turn yep and then its ultimate is like something to do with an eight eight kraken or an octopus or something right yeah, yeah it's all if it ultimates the thing that's cool about its ultimate is it does it in two turns so it's kind of like garrick right but uh its ultimate's unbeatable if you can ultimate with kira it doesn't three turns i think yeah, well, it comes down on two loyalty, and it's minus one to explore. explore. So you get two explorers out of this card if you're undisruptive, which is which is interesting. And it protects itself, and it protects you really well, like especially in modern, yeah. where a lot of the mid range strategies just generally go in on one Tarmogoy for one threat that's coming at you. Yeah, and especially even the tempo strategies. So like, yes, you have problems against affinity, but like against infect, against all those things, you have like one threat you need to stop, and this bubbles it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's. I think it's I think it's a little underpowered. I don't think it's going to be just like the best thing in the format. But. I think if Kira came down on three loyalty instead of two, maybe it would be too good. But I I would like oh, it. That, uh, the difference between those is like it still dies a lightning bolt and both ends. So that's kind of one of the reasons I don't hate yeah, it. Yeah, it just means that your ultimate, you're one turn closer to the ultimate. I, I think this card's cool. I'm pretty sure the art for this was on a playmat for an event, and it's a very cool art. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
I like. I just. I don't know. I like right. the feel of this card. A green blue planeswalker. The only green blue planeswalker ever that is strictly green blue is Kira, right? Yeah. That's the only strictly yeah, yeah. blue one. She's the only green blue planeswalker. She's like the official Cynic planeswalker. Yeah. Yeah. So she's cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Talking about official people. I guess there's two of this. Ashiok the Nightweaver. Wait, there's two Ashioks? No, but there's a Tezzeret that's blue-black also. Oh, got it, got it. Uh, yeah, Ashiok. Ashiok's cool. Yeah, um, three we, mana. Uh, it plus, so it, it comes in at three. It pluses uh, plus two. Exile the top three cards of uh, your, your opponent's library, or yep. an opponent's library. Yep. Um, and then it can minus Put a creature X. card with converted mana cox X exiled with Ashiok on the battlefield under your control. That creature is a nightmare in addition to other types. And then minus 10, I exile all cards from all opponents' hands and graveyards. What's cool about this card, there's a couple things going on. First of all, three mana Planeswalker comes down, pluses two, goes to five loyalty. So, so three mana Planeswalker goes to five loyalty is strong. That's like a tall order to begin with. Right. On top of that... With the Eldrazi stuff they've now printed, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the cards that are largely good because of the Eldrazi lands, but I'm even just saying like Oblivion Sower, cards that actually use the processor mechanic, uh, let's just say like uh, Wasteland Strangler, the ones that actually care about that sort of thing, this is a sweet card to play along those. It does something cool there. I'd also say something that needs to be reevaluated is all of the three mana Planeswalkers that... Um, exist should be re-looked at in the post-twin world and yeah. post-Eldrazi world because all of these cards are like a lot of the times going to come back down in a, a time frame that's really early for a planeswalker to handle and there's no longer the worry of oh i'm just going to die if i didn't thought season ahead of time right like they're all probably better than they used to be yeah i would agree and, I, and like, also you get tarmogoyce off of this guy what yeah another one of the most interesting things about uh, three mana planeswalkers and just three mana cards in modern in general is that playing mana creatures, one mana mana creatures, is a thing people do. It's not like a bad thing to be doing. It's totally fine. Sure. So getting like an Ashiok or like a Domri Raid on turn two is a that's a big game. Like <laughs> like bird it's into like you saw the future. Number twenty five Domri Raid. Yeah. So they're they're both like unexciting to me. Like I haven't built around them. But I guess with twin gone. I, I like the idea of accelerating out. Um, well, Domi Raid has one really cool thing it does that I think should excite you. Obliterator? Yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. <laughs> so it, it lets you fight with a creature, and Obliterator is a 5-5 five, five that whenever damage is dealt to it, the uh, person who does damage to it has to sack yeah, those so things. So you control the ability, but they control the creature that's dealing the damage. So right. if you just like fight your Obliterator against their 3-3, three, three, their 3-3 three, three dies, and they sack three permanents. It's like pretty nuts. And you still have a 5-5 five, five beating them down. Yeah, it's really good. And you can just curve into it. It's just the mana is really rough. It's the greatest mana base ever. <laughs> a four, a black, 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 black. No, four black. Four black. <laughs> With a green, red planeswalker that has to come down. Like, but yeah, so, so what Domi, it's, a, it's red, green, and colorless. It comes down, and it, uh, it can plus to reveal the top card if it's a creature. You get to draw it, and it minuses to fight uh, a creature you control with a, a creature your opponent controls. And then it ultimates to make all your creatures... Nuts! They're like haste, flying, hexproof, double strike. I don't know some crazy amount of double keywords. strike, trample, hexproof, haste. Yeah, so really good. <laughs> if you all like all planeswalkers, Dom, but Domri's like particularly interesting because I've I've tried. This is one of the ones I've actually tried building with before. Right. I always look at this card, and I'm saying in formats like modern, in standard, even a little. I was playing a little standard when this game card came out, and also in Highlander. Like I've tried all of them. And it always just barely misses the cut for me. Like, I can never quite justify I think it's it. worse in Highlander just because the consistency in that format is really low. But yeah. if you're playing in modern, like the red green aggro decks or zoo decks or even big zoo, like the Kibler yeah. mid range Naya decks, he's really good in those decks because most of your cards are creatures. Yeah. And so, like, you're going to draw a card a lot of the time. And, w and the fact that all your cards are just beefier yeah. than your opponents 
makes it so his fight ability is really strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be, if you had a creature, like, some sort of, like, creature ability that could reset the top of your library, like Sage of Epitier, <laughs> that you could repeatedly reuse and bounce or something like that with this card. Rolling my eyes. Sage of Epitier is sweet. It's I do sweet. think he's probably really cool with uh, Corsair Crucifix, though. Yeah, okay, that's fair. They do compete for the three-drop slot, but... Or even, or even the four drop. Good thing Sage only costs one. Everyone rolled their <laughs> eyes collectively. All right, next one. Number 24, back to the four mana. Koth of the Hammer. So this is like, Koth is like one of those cards that I get uh, labeled for having like so much love for, despite the fact that I've never played Koth in a competitive tournament. In my life. <laughs> um, I just always talk it's, about... It, there needs to be a very specific deck, but yeah. if that deck exists, Koth is really, really good in it. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it just I, has to be mono red mid range. <laughs> I mean, it's super powerful. If you if you ever like resolved this card or had this card resolved against you, it's like okay, red red two. This is a card I'll explain because I think a lot of people just forget this exists. Never gets sure. talked about. Red red two for loyalty three plus one untapped target mountain. It becomes a four four red elemental until end of turn. It's still a land, so it does protect itself. It absolutely protects itself. Or no, no, no. until end of turn. So it doesn't. Um, but it's you can then attack with you. So you play it for four. You untap a mountain. You attack with that mountain because it's one of the mountains that you played the previous turns. Sure, or it ramps and you can yeah. you can use it to spend minus two add red your mana pool for each mountain you control. Which if you're playing all red, it's a free spell. Yep. You minus two it to just add four to your pool, which is nuts. And then minus five, you get an emblem with mountains you control have tap as land deals one damage target creature or player. It just turns all of your mountains into like uh, what, what's that card called? Pingers. Ping. Isn't there a card that does that? No. What oh, there's it? like a card that pings. There's a, a ton of them. Yeah, no, but like a spell, Geist Flame or something? I don't know. That's oh, the kind of, yeah. maybe. Anyway, All right. whatever. But beyond that, the thing that I really am surprised there hasn't happened, because the mana base in Modern can be so... Because of all the dual lands. Yeah, they can all be like, mountains. I feel like you could do a pretty like red-green base with a blue splash. Right. Like teamer deck that's yeah. playing him. Maybe like the 4-4 four, four for three that like gets in there. And Scape Shift. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he's good in Scape Shift. I think you need, like, I think he's better if you're playing, like, an Ugin that you ramp in the turn after he comes into play to cast an 8-drop. How is he not good at Scape Shift? If you, if you want tons of mountains in Scape Shift, he wants you to have all mountains in Scape Shift. And he's just a sweet 4-drop that just, like, wins on a different axis. Sure, the mountains in Scape, like, as a Scape Shift, having played it a lot, like, the mountains aren't actually in the deck. Right, like, right. You, you don't want mountains in play. You want every other color. Maybe with a different version of the deck, but like classically, it's like the color you want to keep those mountains inside your deck and and draw all the blue green lands. That's fair. Uh, all right, number twenty three, Tamiyo the Moon Sage. Oh, Tamiyo, this is not a card I like. I, really, I, I love this card. It does not surprise me at all. <laughs> I don't know why. So it's two blue, three colorless, uh, and it pluses to tap down a permanent. It doesn't it ices a permanent, so it doesn't untap during the next turn. Right. It minuses. You draw a card for every tapped creature. Your right. opponent controls. Yep. And it uh, its alt is if a spell that you control would go into your graveyard, you put it back into your hand. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those, like, I just win the game alts. I mean, I've, this card is... Yeah, but this, this is all about locking your opponent out. This is like the control card right. dream. This card is infuriating to play against if they resolve it in the right moment. It's darn... It's very, very hard to beat this card if it's played in the right moment against you. Sure. It's super annoying. Um, it's one of those situations where, like, if you're struggling on land, they tap down a per- they tap down one of your lands, slows you down. Um, if you try to alpha, you probably won't kill it. So they'll draw a bunch of cards. Like, it's just very, very difficult. It's well designed. It's a very elegant design for a five mana planeswalker. 
Sure. I, I do think five mana is the thing that hurts this card in modern, just blatantly. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, I guess if, what if it costs four and came down on three loyalty? It'd be too good if the other abilities were all the same. Yeah, too good with all those abilities. I think it's minus would have to be something less powerful. Maybe, okay, what if it was what if it was draw. loyalty and it was minus three to activate the draw ability? So it just, that, that that I could be a little bit more convinced about so that. So it suicides itself. To so draw it's cards. Like kind of like a Garrick yeah. uh, card, triple green Garrick. Yeah, but I could I could be convinced on that. Yeah. Um, something I do want to say about Tamio, she's not showing up in this block. I'm gonna say it right now. Everyone's like, oh, Tamio is gonna be printed. No way. Yeah, you just don't think she's going to be there, huh? No, I think she's going to Ugin it up. Like, Ugin was in the last set. He, he like, showed up in Battle for Zendikar. He's in a bunch of cards, but he doesn't actually show up as a Planeswalker. I think Tommy is going to be a similar deal. Okay. Yep. All right, moving on. One of my favorite Planeswalkers of all time, I think, actually. Right. Number 22, Venser the Sojourner. Yeah, you love this card. I love this card. This is like right at the. This is like top of your list for like favorites. I feel like you've played Venser against me more than almost any Planeswalker ever. Mm, yeah, maybe I, Venser shows up in like you've played Venser in standard you've played Venser in modern you play Venser yes, in I've tried to make it work in every format I've ever played yes it. and I feel like I've gone against uh, it I've never attempted to make it work in legacy that blue, would be silly blue white's your favorite <laughs> color combo am I correct there no yeah you're yes 100% you're correct. Yeah. 100% and yeah. then it's like followed by bug yeah like blinking like blinking things you love blinking things yeah it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's so much value and he like makes your things unblockable so he's great with geist that you play on turn three the hilarious part is i really like venser also like i'm i'm actually a fan of him yeah but the five on venser is the thing that holds him back yeah yeah five man is a problem um i have played him and the, the one nice thing about him is if you're playing venser you should probably be playing that four drop one four that shuts your opponent's uh, attack step out. Stonehorn Dignitary. So you can lock them out of the game with Venser in play if they're right. only attacking you. Um, so that is something that's like I do think is viable. And there's enough other... like You can play Venser with other Venser, so you can start bouncing their lands out of play. There are cool things you can do with him. Right. Um, which I've done <laughs> yep. in modern. Um, I do think he's a little underrated. I think the five mana is less of a deal with other things because he can either win the turn he comes into play because he makes your creature unblockable, or start locking your opponent out of the game, which are two very powerful things. His ultimate is also just an unbeatable ultimate. Now... The worst thing that's ever actually happened to me, the one PTQ I ever played Venser in, which was a standard PTQ, I was right. playing the Stoneheart Dignity, Dignitary deck. Right. Um, literally got into the ultimate, and it was the same format where Zell's Conscript was in play. Uh, it was no. in the format, and they Zell's Conscript ulted it on their side. Amazing. And it was the most depressed. I was like, no! And then they exiled like half of my lands. So yeah, that's, uh, that's Venser. Uh, next on the list... We got a, a twofer. Nissa voices Zendikar. Is the, this is the, the three, three mana Planeswalker that just came out. The, okay, the recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this card is super sweet, but like I can't figure out why. <laughs> well, it's really good. Have you played with it? Because it's nuts when you play with it. Like I, I like I, I haven't jammed with it in modern. I'll admit it. Yeah. In Highlander, which is a more powerful format. Yeah. I like it wrecked wrecked my opponent every single time. I do think that like we the reason I think we like both of those formats so much is there are similarities in playstyle. It's just the difference sure. is that modern is it's a, it's it's high powered spell format where creature attacking is still a viable option. Yeah, modern is super homogenized. It's really really difficult to get outside of like the top 12 or 15 sort of strategies at the higher I don't level. Know if that's true. But uh, what I do want to say about this card is like you can ramp to it on turn two very easily. It's yep. the exact type of deck, like an elf deck that can play mm -hmm. that, that early. Yep. And then you make a you make a plant so you can protect it from their whatever two drop yep. they had, which most likely isn't going to get really into the killing right. this. And then the next turn, you can swing with that plant and the elf after minusing, and you make whatever creature spell you play that turn bigger. Like it starts yeah. getting out of hand. 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, three mana Planeswalkers, as we've said, three mana is, is sort of the sweet spot for the balance design. Like, right. Jace and Elspeth are the two that, like, at four were just, like, very, very powerful and pushed. Now in the modern era of design... You mean Liliana, not Elspeth. No, no, Elspeth for four mana. Jace, oh, oh, Jace oh, oh sure, 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 yeah, sure. They, I mean, they were, like, the original four mana ones that were just, like, really powerful. Yep. Um, in this day and age, it's hard to believe that they would print a four mana Planeswalker that made, like, a massive, massive impact. I think it, it could happen. But three, yeah. three definitely. They're feels really like, good at balancing four mana planeswalkers. Exactly, because they're very powerful. Well, they made a lot of them. Yeah, but three mana is like sort of much more unexplored territory as far as like how good it sure. can be. It's like what we were talking about with Ashiok. What if it turns out that Ashiok is like the linchpin card to some new deck in modern? Right. I could see any set being printed that all of a sudden took advantage of exile mechanic, and all of a sudden Ashiok goes to like eighty bucks. Right. Like, right. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, this like this deck is good in green strategies that go wide. All those zoo decks, like this is a great top end up for that because it's it gains value continuously. The amount of planeswalkers, even though this is a zero one plant, like a they're kind of zero ones because as soon as you use her ability, she gets big. They right. get big, but like. Think of how many planeswalkers that, as their plus, make tokens that have been bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think the fact that this costs three and is in a set that they're in a color that really wants you to be playing mana creatures is just like you said. Right. That's that's the trick. So second half of the two for number twenty. We're in the top twenty. Number twenty, Nissa Vastwood Seer. So this is creature Nissa. So you like Nissa Vastwood Seer more than Nissa Voices Zendikar? Uh, I am more willing to bet on Nissa Vastwood Seer than Nissa Voices Zendikar purely from a like experience over life of the format yeah i mean i'll give you that so nissa vast and by that by me i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. the scientists that did the study in iron this is objectively correct so nissa voice nissa vast series one green two colorless for a two two when it enters the battlefield you may search your library for a basic forest card reveal it put it in your hand when a land enters the battlefield under your control if you control seven or more lands flip nissa she becomes a three loyalty planeswalker with plus one reveal the top card of your library if it's a land put it onto the battlefield otherwise put it into your hand so she has essentially plus one draw a card um, or get a land into play. Right. She has minus two, put a legendary 4-4 four, four green elemental creature token with, okay, a legendary 4-4 four, four essentially. And then minus seven, untap up to six target lands. They become six, six elementalist creatures. So I do think the thing with Nissa, this one is, and the thing I think that puts it a little over the other one is purely Coco. Yeah. And Aether Vial. And like the, the amount of things that, the fact that she's a creature adds X amount of value to her already. Right. I mean, so I agree with you completely. My thing with this card is, like, it's not unreasonable to assume that there would be a deck in Modern that would want to play, uh, was it Borderland Ranger? Is that what the name of the creature sure. is? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, three-mana creature, two-two yeah, draw card. I don't think he's good enough, but this is, like, this will always be good on turn three. Right. In that, in that sense, because it's going to get you the land you need, you're going to yep. come and play block or whatever. But then, late game, kind of like... Um, it has a similar feature to Death Rite Shaman, where right. early game it's good and late game it's better. It's nuts, yeah. <laughs> this um, is a little bit lean. Like, so Death Rite Shaman is nuts turn one and decent turn five. Right. This is nuts turn six, I mean, but this is decent a, turn three. This is a three mana creature with the body that replaces itself with a land the turn it comes into play and is an elf. And then late game flips. Like, the incremental value on this card is totally bonkers. The sure. only problem is. You have to be playing basic forest is the first thing. Right. You don't play a lot of them, but you have to be playing basic forest. You can't just splash in this like in, into another deck. Right. Um, and you know it is just a two-two for three early, so it does sacrifice some power. There's yep. not that many decks in modern that want that. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Number nineteen, Narset Transcendent. So this one's super interesting, right? We talked about this last week on the podcast. We talked about how uh, four mana Chandra 
flame speaker, which is the no, no, no. The Chandra, the, the one, one that copies spells. The one that copies the spell. Yeah. The uh, three colorless flame caller. Flame, yeah, it's something okay. like that. Um, this is just like the better version in a lot of ways. Just because yeah, it comes it's plus down. is card advantage. It's it's less consistent. I'll admit it's less consistent than pinging your opponent for one. But right. when it's good, it's <laughs> infinitely better. And I mean, look, this comes down with six loyalty off the top. So like right off the bat, you plus it, it goes to seven. Seven loyalty Planeswalker, the turn you cast it for four mana, really good. Minus two, next instant or sorcery you cast this turn, it gains rebound. Like, it's another one of these things where it's like, all right, so you resolve this on turn four, draw a card, or potentially draw a card. Right. The next turn, you activate it and play time warp, and then rebound time warp the next turn on the upkeep of the extra turn you're playing. Right. So you get it twice. Like, that seems totally nuts. And then minus nine, you get an emblem with your opponents can't cast non-creature like, spells. And, and, and even spells like like any kind of card draw spell even like a cryptic command where you like get the like tap your opponent's creatures and and draw a card and the next turn you can draw a card and bounce their land like there's a bunch of things you can do that are really good i I definitely think right you remember there was there was a period of like just like lingering souls in an esper build just like copying the first lingering soul so it rebounds you get two 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 tokens and then you can flashback it afterwards like there's so many different value plays you have you probably remember when we were talking a while back before extra turns, uh, oops, all turns got like to be a thing. I was working on that deck that was like all like I have nowhere boomerang effects and then cryptic commands and snapcasters. Sure. It was trying to, it was just trying to essentially like incrementally. Do that, but from the opposite end. I like, wasn't trying to take extra turns. I was trying to prevent my opponent from having lands in play. Sure. Um, and this card ended up as like the four drop slot that I wanted to play because it just seemed awesome on like four when, you know, in theory they have one land in play. You play this on turn four. You try right. to draw a card with it. And then the next turn, it's like boomerang you with rebound. So I'm going to double boomerang you next turn. You're going to have to get out from under or you're just never going to win the game. Right. Um, yeah, I like this card. All right. Number 18. Yep. Soren, Lord of Innistrad. So this is the original black-white one. So this right. is the one that makes the emblem. Yep. Um, and the uh, 1-1 vampire lifelink tokens on the ground is a plus. This is a confusing piece of design that I'm guessing has something to do with the story. That's what I'm assuming is, is the reason they made two four-mana black-white Sorens. Well, no, he's just the black-white planeswalker, and then he that four-mana seemed to be where they put him at. I do think it's annoying that they're the exact same converted mana cost, and I their mean. abilities are kind of similar. That's what I'm getting at. Um, the fir- we, we, Let's not get into the other one because it's still on this list, but the right. first one, something that's really cool about this is the like natural... Um, make more emblems. Right. Like it uses emblems more as a token than a, this is my ultimate just status yeah. effect that totally. I basically win the game by casting it once. Like yeah. it's more like, I'll just slowly get more of these emblems. Um, and this was, this was the go-to one in, in tokens in, until the most recent one was printed. And that one's just better because of the life swingingness factor of the other one. Yeah. I mean, this is also, this also protects itself very well with a 1-1 one, one flyer that gains life. It doesn't have flying. It's a 1-1 one, one lifelinker. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. That's, that's the issue. The other one, makes the other the one is a 2-2 two, two flyer. Got it. Okay, okay. I mean, I still think this protects itself well. Sure. Um, and the fact that it comes down on three, goes to four by making a 1-1. One, one, like, I think the, the issue is is that the format... Sorry, I didn't mean after you. Just, just that its ultimate is pretty effective. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think the issue is that this is a format where life... Or, or no, no, sorry. Token making is much stronger than the Planeswalker is going to be. So right. it's better when one of these Planeswalkers does more with the tokens or more powerful tokens versus this one, which is a better token producer, right. but a worse doing cool, powerful things with those tokens. That makes sense. Um, all right. Next one. This is a six drop. 
In the 17. Is it the only six drop in the top 17? Probably. Is it the only technically six drop? There are theoretically higher ones. Elsbeth Sons Champion. So this is like the... Six mana Elsbeth. And this is like the Elsbeth that was like the standard darling. This card Oh, it's wreck standard. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a pillar of the standard format. Forever. And this was a period of standard I wasn't playing very much, but I still read quite a few articles, and I would listen... Like, like Chapin loved this card. He talked about this card a lot. Right. Um, I mean, this is, this is... Well, it comes down, and it does a lot to protect you. White, white, four for four loyalty. Plus one, put three one, one white soldier creature tokens on the battlefield. Minus three, destroy all creatures with power four or greater. Minus seven, you get an emblem of creatures you control, get plus two, plus two, and have flying. And the reason that is is because it pluses to make three one ones. So, like, getting through, unless you have a destroy spell or something with evasion, is going to be very difficult. Right. That's the reason the ultimate is not, like... The ultimate's not, like, backbreaking. It's just really good. Well, no, no, no. The ultimate's insane, though, because it's been making 1-1 one, one tokens this whole time. So by the time it alts, you have, like, 13 one ones that all, like... Are ridiculously overpowered. Now. Yeah, but I mean, okay, like you're plusing and making tokens, you're plusing and making tokens. Maybe your opponent's like, you know, chumping or like just taking, just getting hit, and then you ultimate, and then you know, maybe, I guess you have to. They, okay, they wrath the turn before you ultimate now, something like that. Sure, but the, from that point on, but then you, I mean, then you don't ultimate. You make three more tokens, and then you keep her around so that those tokens get bigger and bigger. Right, right, right. Like normally, she, she's that's like a board stall trump. Right. Um, where. You're playing an opponent with a bunch of lingering souls and tarmogoyfs and rhinos or whatever, but and you're holding them off because you're alting or, right. or minusing and plusing to keep the killing the rhinos, but then protecting yourself from everything else. But then you need to get over the top, and that's what this is good at. It's a great, it's a really good sideboard card. This is a sideboard card for sure against like the grindier control matchups because you can draw one of them later, cast this, it, and just start winning because it's in play. This has never seen modern play, or has it has. It has. It's, it's seen as sideboard cards in um, junk and blue white red lists. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's kind of a similar slot to what Karanos is. Like that's a slot that a lot of these planeswalkers can right, inhabit, right, and right, it right. depends on what the metagame looks like. And if you know Karanos is really good when Twin is around, makes sense. And you need something to last longer than them while yeah. you're stopping what they're doing. This is better in a world where you need either something to kill all the big four four. So if Hate Bears or Tarmogoyf decks are really good, right? Um, or you need something that just block a bunch of ground pounders. So if like Aggro is really good, um, the one ones are really good. So makes that's sense. kind of it's it's a metagame dependent choice. Got it. Um, all right. This is this is one of my favorite cards of all time, probably. Number sixteen, Tezzeret the Seeker. I love this card. This is a pet card. I love both Tezzerets. I can't wait. Will they print another Tezzeret? Yeah, Story he's, he's not dead. So they will print. He's them. still around. Yeah, for sure. When People really like it. it. Uh, my guess is next time we go to Phyrexia or next time we deal with Bullis. Okay. I, which could be a related time period. <laughs> Tezzeret's awesome. Um, there's two Tezzeret's. This is the more expensive of the two. This is blue, Five blue, mana. blue, blue, and three colorless for a four loyalty planeswalker. His abilities are as follows: plus one, untap up to two, arg- two artifacts you control. Uh, minus X, search your library for an artifact with converted mana cost X or less. Put it directly into play, and then minus five, uh, all artifacts you control become five five creatures till end of turn. Is that right? Yeah. So or creatures equal to their converted mana cost. No, five fives. Five yeah. five. You're right. So Tezzeret the Seeker is almost I'd say ninety percent used for ability two minus X. Yeah, yeah, the tutor for something. Yeah, the fact that it tutors for an artifact in powered formats is nuts because in powered formats it can get artifact lands. 
Um, well, no, I mean, in Vintage, the thing he's used for is tutor for Time Vault and then use its plus to win the game forever. Right, so, okay. <laughs> that, that makes sense, but I'm saying, I'm not talking in Vintage. I'm saying sure, like sure, sure. In, in Legacy, it's Commander, it's Commander and, and, Highlander. and Highlander. Right, there are, yeah. you tutor for something that's really powerful and you do well. This one, it's definitely more of a value engine, yeah. and it is weaker than the other one because in Modern, it's less of, the, the things you can get with it are less powerful. Now, the thing about this card that's sweet, though, and this is like something that people miss... The toolbox um, factor, because that's why I love it. Yeah, the toolbox factor, yeah. absolutely. And so, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm working on a, on a deck right now, and I have been working on this deck for a long time, but people forget, first of all, minus two on this gets you Mir Superior, which, uh, granted, if you're only playing one copy of Mir Superior <laughs> in your deck, gets A more you, important one is that a minus two gets you Spellskite. A more you, relevant Yeah, one. okay, yeah, so yeah. you get a Spellskite, you get a five, six. If you already have your Superior, this can get you a Pocrisite out of your deck as a four, four. Um... That's this, what people are really looking for. They're apocrysites. I'm just saying. No, no. Like, no, yeah, yeah. That, that means you only have to devote two slots in your deck. I think more like it gets you bridge. It gets you... Yeah. Um, the point is this can do a lot of things. Crucible worlds to start sh if you're doing a strip mine plan. Like there's really powerful three drop artifacts that this can get and then stick around that yeah. I think is like really relevant. I think there are some very cool things. And I don't think... Like if you're trying to build the deck that takes advantage of those undercosted powerful artifacts, like I'm talking about the creatures, which is the reason I've looked at this card so many times, is... You can do this as a two of top end card that's like, okay, I'll just play this as my five drop. It'll put a five six directly into play and then live to get another five six the next turn. Like, sure. I, I, I guess my point is, is that the place that it's most likely and has seen play right. in modern is in decks that are doing something where I have in my main deck five to ten different artifacts yeah. that are all really powerful against opponents. And then in my sideboard, I have even more specific ones that this helps me let. I do for. understand that the point of this card, if you're going to use it in a traditional sense, is the way you're talking about it. I'm sure. saying that there are more interesting and unique things this card can do. More interesting is debatable. <laughs> I, I think I'm just telling you, I don't think that I don't think playing this card, putting a five six into play, and then having two loyalty left is unexciting, especially considering the next turn you can attack with it and then plus this thing up to untap it and protect itself. Seems fine to me. Or just get another creature. Like, right. That seems fine. What doesn't seem fine is having a blue deck that doesn't have great ways to get Mercipurian in the play other than this. I mean, the point is you have that. But Ever heard of a card called Grand Architect? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of blue cards. <laughs> Number 15. So we're in the bottom 15. This okay. is the last 15. Ready yep. to countdown? All right. Halfway through. Jace, Architect of Thought. Oh yeah, so this this is the card we mentioned earlier that if you ever of every planeswalker with doubling season, I believe this is the best one. Right, because um, you you just win by casting it. I think. Yeah, because if anybody <laughs> doesn't know the way it works, Jace Architect of Thought, his the ability we're talking about is minus two or no, uh, minus eight is his ultimate, which is for each player search that player's library for a non-land card, exile it, then that player shuffles their library. You may cast those cards without paying their mana cost. So if you resolve doubling season to play this card, comes down on eight loyalty minus eight. Search your library for another copy of Jace and their best threat. Search your library for another copy of Jace and their best threat. Search your library for Jace and another copy of their best threat. Uh, that's all of them. So you get... And then and then you search your library for... Um, what's the... Acroma's Memorial and their best threat. Or another just unbeatable threat of your own, Emrakul, yeah. and their best threat. And then you just... And you just win. You just win. Yeah. So no, yeah. I mean, it involves playing a five drop followed by a four drop, which is a completely different issue. It's like it's of it is a of a high enough power level that in modern I think if the right card is printed this could do the deck is more powerful the right now it's issue not quite there. Is you don't know what you're playing against and sometimes like Sometimes like well, that's why that's why you have to have something like an Emrakul and a Chroma's Memorial because if you get Tarmogoyf after Tarmogoyf after Tarmogoyf after Tarmogoyf or like Seedrino times yeah. four or like 
generally you'll be able to find the right amount of cards as long as you have a way to just make them unbeatable. Right, unless you're like playing against Mono Red or Affinity or in fact like... But even Affinity, like getting like four um, of the two drop that... Um, four Eidolon of Great Revels. Right. Sorry, against Burn, getting four Eidolon of Revels and then getting a Chroma's Memorial. Like your things are unbeatable and they can never cast a spell again. Or against Affinity, I guess you can just get like Etch Champion, Etch Champion, Etch Champion... Uh, cranial plating yeah like there's like a bunch or just yeah like cranial plating works there's a bunch of stuff you can just yeah. get from them like it doesn't or get uh, just get four steel overseer times four yeah and then get a chroma's memorial they all have haste all pump themselves to four fours and then swing the next turn for the win I think you wouldn't you be better off getting wouldn't you just be better off getting four etch champions and then just swing etch champions not good against them they have artifacts that can block it oh yeah, yeah you're right you're right that's bad yeah <laughs> master of ethereum is more exciting because they're all big yeah yeah, all yeah right. there's, I mean, there's definitely things you can do. Anyway, this card does other things than this one thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the other thing I want to say, this card is kind of, have I, it's, in, at least until the new Jace came out, Jace French Prodigy, I thought this was the most underrated Blue Planeswalker you could yeah. play in the format because it's minus is pretty relevant. Like, in fact, like, there's so many decks that go wide with tokens that kind of shuts them down. Yeah. And it is was good against Twin. Like, Twin couldn't beat this card with Deceiver Exarch, which is yeah. generally your problem. And you're generally going to be playing red if you're playing this Jace. So it's a really good Twin card. Or anti-twin card. Yeah. And its minus is really good. Like, yeah. mini factor fiction is really good. <laughs> yeah, people... I mean, this this was a, this was routinely, for a long time, tossed around as a sideboard card in the Twin Mirror. This, yeah. wasn't, this was always, yeah, like... Yeah. Because it's valuable and, like, mini factor fiction. Like, it gets you cards. I don't know. It's... This card's sweet. Like, I, I sure. this is one of those cards where it's always right on the edge of playable for me in any format that I look at it. I'm always like, yeah, right. maybe. I'm not that excited, but maybe. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Number 14... Gideon, ally of Zendikar. One of the newer ones. Is yeah. this the... This is the one that uh, its plus is to become a creature. Right. It um, Its zero is to make a 2-2 token, an this, ally token, and it's it can ultimate immediately to give an emblem that all creatures get plus one, plus one. This card is pretty nuts. Like, as far as, like, as, far as power level on a four-drop Planeswalker goes, this card's really, really, really powerful. Right. I mean, getting a 2-2 for zero on a four-loyalty four Planeswalker right off the bat is already a great place to start. Like, it's already sure. just, like, it. you're getting, like, essentially two power and four life um, for four mana. You're getting minus four gives you an emblem, which is one of those one of those rare ones we talked about with Soren, where you get, like, an emblem the turn it comes down, which is cool. Right. Um, and it's a, a, an emblem that, in vague terms, could be meant to be reused. Yeah, and also it's one of those cool things where you make the emblem, and then if you have another Gideon in hand, you play it the next turn. Sure. Or, or I mean, like the, the real play is you you make a token, or you or you make a token or plus him, depending right. on what you want more the the emblem and him sticking around or the token. Then you ultimate. Then you have a Gideon, a token, and an ultimate. Also, plus one to be a five five is super sweet. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, yeah. This card's it's really four good. mana for a five five indestructible, which is decent. This kind of this card kind of exists in an area of magic deck building and design that I don't usually mess with. Like it just doesn't attacking. Uh, it's just not on my radar usually. Sure. Like I don't know why. There's just something about the abilities, the set of abilities, the way this card plays that is not usually how I like to play magic. Yeah, I, I see this as a top end of a, a Naya deck or like in those Naya decks we've kind of mentioned the yeah. like big Naya decks that Kibler kind of likes. Right. Um, obviously, it competes with with Dami Raid because you don't want too many Planeswalkers with Dami Raid. Um, I do think it's strong. I would right. be interested to see how it does in the future. It's overtly powerful. Um, it's kind of like uh, the white, the the three-drop white legendary creature, the 3-4. Right. Um, that makes tokens when Brimaz. it attacks. Bramaz, where like, that card is 
definitely powerful. Primaz is. It nuts. just hasn't done any crazy things in the format. Primaz is like Primaz is like I, that surprises me. That card hasn't done more considering it has the correct stats. It exists at the right cost. Right. So this is another card like that. I think we're like we haven't seen it do anything yet, and I'd be interested to see what its future is. Yeah, three versus four is huge though. All right. Number thirteen, and this is the last. This is the last one of the uh, original five planeswalkers. Yeah. Jace Bellerin. This card is uh, weirdly like where this card exists in the consciousness of memory for people is very strange because sure. sometimes people talk about this card like it's the most underrated planeswalker of all time. Like it was extremely underrated when it got printed. Oh yeah, in the beginning like no one cared. In the beginning, people were like, "Oh, this card's." Kind of weak. They kind of did that with all of the original five, and they were correct with Chandra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, like, Garrick was the big one in standard. He was. No, 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 no. Garrick, Ajani, Jace, all were in powerhouse standard decks. But I remember, okay, just for the record, I remember Garrick was, was 25 to $40 for a long time. Um, and this was before Mythic. So, like, that was like that was like the level of like the price of your your Chase dual lands in their prime. Like sure, um, he was the expensive one for the longest time. Jace took a while longer to catch on. Well, and Jace didn't get good until the second printing, which is what hurt him. So Garrick and Ajani both were really good in lore wind block. Right. Jace got good after M10 was printed when Mana Leak showed up and right. Ponder was in the format. Like that's when it started doing really insane things, even though it did say play, it, it was in a fairy, like people played them as one ofs in the fairy decks. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's the other thing about it is like, it's, it's not like Liliana the veil where it's, you know, your three mana planeswalker that's an auto four of hard to find a deck that wants to play four of this card. There's just a lot of redundancy in terms of effects that just like do similar things to this. Sure. Like drawing cards in blue is not that hard to figure out. Right. Right. Yeah. Though it's a sweet card. Yeah, you know, it's really good. Did we even say what it does? Or? Oh, yeah. So it pluses the each player draw card, but it pluses two. So it's three mana at then to five, which is classically yeah. really good. And then it minus ones to draw a, card. draw a card just for you. The reason it's so good is that the avert we both draw a card makes it so people generally won't try killing him. So they just let him sit and play after you do that. And then you have five turns right. where you're drawing cards in a control deck, just stopping your opponent from doing anything. Yeah, you come out way ahead on the exchange because, like... I've never played Jace Bellerin in, in modern. Never yeah. played Jace Bellerin and lost. Yeah, it's it, this is another interesting one where you're just like, I wonder like how smart modern players are like in general that I'm playing against if I just say like Bird of Paradise into Jace and then just like plus him and then just spent the next like the rest of the game just essentially having a Fraxian Arena. How fast does the, he die? Yeah. Like like well even and it, the thing is if they attack them they wasted turns. They wasted one to two because like three mana at five having yeah. to do five on that turn is so hard. Even if that you draw an extra card that like yeah. it takes them two turns to kill him. And yeah. if a planeswalker lasts two turns of attack, it's doing its job already. Also, it's a double fog and it drew you two cards. That's really good. One of the important things to remember about planeswalkers in general is like you think about, okay, what is the marginal version of the ability that I'm getting here? And it's so divination is your classic sorcery speed three mana spell that draws cards and it draws two when you play it. Sure. Whereas this costs three and draws one the turn you play it. Well the, but, the, the mediocre is is you play this, draw each of you draw a card. Yeah. So you net like 0.5 less than that right. and they abrupt decay it okay depending on what point in the game it is though you might just minus one to draw the card if you want to keep them off guards sure 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 sure. and the, if you're playing against green black you should minus one first because they probably don't have a threat that can kill it anyways and also yada, yada, yada. and also like just think about that three mana for three loyalty over three turns gets you three cards if, sure. if you're not messed with you're going to get three cards for three mana right seems totally fine yeah really good all right number 12 finally this Chandra is, makes it up there. Chandra Pyromancer. This oh, is this the is, first good red planeswalker. This uh, is the Koth, 
maybe. So her and Koth are in competition for the first good Red Planeswalker. This card is super sweet. This card is the top-end four-drop threat that replaced Bloodbraid, or one of the five or six of them in Yeah, Jund. yeah. This is, this is a Jund option. She's best in Jund when you're playing... Um, uh, the, th- the three drop, the green one, two, four. I, uh, Krufix. Corsair Krufix. Sure. Um, because you, he lets you get to your deck so you can Chandra at the right times with the lands on top of your deck to right. get exactly what you need. Um, it lets you do a lot of deck filtering manipulation, which is a personal thing that yeah. I love. Um, but the fact that she's just a card draw engine in red is really good. And the fact that her plus makes it so Tarmogoyfs can get through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something that's super relevant here is like... Uh, people just sometimes look at these cards and they, they try to like balance the power level in their mind. They're like, okay, so this gets me X for Y or you know, this cost for this thing. But it's like any one of the Planeswalkers, the ones that have the ability that say for zero or plus the draw card, if you play them at the right time in a game and you activate them three times, you'll likely win the game. Like, sure. That's just something that is like intrinsic in Magic is like drawing cards is good. Once you've gotten up to like two or three cards ahead of your opponent, if you're not playing just a big stack of crap, you'll probably win the game. And this zeros to draw a card in red. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah, And a, a color that needs that effect anyways. And it can make things, depending on the matchup. What's interesting is, on some matchups, he, it makes your things unblockable. And the other one, it actually is going to kill things. Because the matchups where your things aren't going to be unblockable because they have multiple things, they most likely have X ones. Also, it should be noted that the Jundex happily play 26, 27 lands because sure. they play so many man lands. So you play this card, you don't play your land, you zero, often hit a land, then play that land for the turn. Sure. That's the smartest way to play this card. And because our inclination is often to... Well, but the, you know, there's birds, there's noble hierarchs, there's infect creatures, there's bobs, yeah, there's the lingering one. souls tokens. Like, yeah. the amount of... Ex- like, to the extent that I think um, the exile, this, the wingding one exile card... Charm, the Eldrazi Charm, right. is like a playable card because there are so many different X ones in the format. You're talking about Warping Whale? Yeah, Warping Whale. Wing knee. Yeah, keep going. Uh, all right. Oh, no. There, I was wrong. I was wrong about Chase. Oh, I'm, I apologize. There is one more Lorwyn 10 Planeswalker left. Okay. Garrick Wildspeaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We moved Wildspeaker up. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's because Garrick Wildspeaker is awesome. Number 11. Garrick Wildspeaker, I think, really actually is the most underrated Planeswalker. He he of all the ones is the most underrated. Yeah, should see more play. Well, I mean, and maybe he will now that now that we're into a part of the format that uh, twin have wasn't. Twin. As a, but I, he was even good against twins. So that's the thing that like like in Jund you can cast him and then untap your swamp and forest and have yeah. abrupt decay open. That that's the thing about this card that's so so remarkable that people don't realize is that like modern is a format dominated by one and two drops, which means. This is a three-loyalty Planeswalker that if you need a blocker, makes a 3-3 for only minus one. So it's four mana for a 3-3 and two more loyalty on your Planeswalker if you need a blocker. On top of that, it's plus one to untap two target target lands, not two target forests, two of any lands. Right. Which means with mana bases in modern, you can pretty much have access to any colors you need. Two mana sounds like a pretty good cost for for counterspells, sounds like a pretty good cost for any removal spell, like... This thing's going to go to four loyalty, have your counterspell open, and then the next turn can overrun if you need. Like, Yeah, no. Card's sweet. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. This card is the one that combos really well with uh, Utopia Sprawl, and I think can do just some totally, totally insane things, unless I'm forgetting. Right? Utopia Sprawl? Yeah, I mean, untapped lands. All, all the untapped planeswalkers can do powerful things with Utopia Sprawl. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just Nissa guess. and Garrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Number... Number 10. This is the top 10, everybody. Woo! Soren, Soul, and Visitor. 
This is the the good Soren. So you talk about this because I'm like I, for whatever reason I'm just not a fan of the Soren. So this is like the card that makes the token decks like overtly going to murder the person, and right. it, it also cuts out their biggest weakness because that deck plays a lot of thought seizes and it plays a lot of fetch lands and it even plays um the big one which is uh Ink Moth Nexus, not Ink Moth Nexus. Bitter Blossom. Oh, sure. Bitter Blossom and Bob. And so th- these are cards that definitely hurt your life total. And his plus is backbreaking because you attack with all these tokens that are now plus one, plus one until your next turn. So they like can also be held off the block and then they all get lifelink. Right. Plus it's it's Vampire Token. A 2-2 two, two flyer blocks everything out of Affinity, everything out of Infect. Like the things that you get out of it is really good. Um, yeah, it is. It is like... When you, when they say like such and such 2.0, this is truly Soren 2.0 in the sense that it's the it's the bigger, better, more correctly designed version. Sure. Which is as you said, sort of the reason maybe they just designed it this way, just to make it like we're just making Soren. But we just, wanted a planeswalker that does this, and the first one didn't do it enough. So here's one that does it enough, kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a very very weird place to come from. And I'm very interested to see what the new Soren looks like. And he's gonna be in this set. Yeah, he's going to be in the set. Is he going to be black or, or white black? I think he's going to be white black. I think he's going to be a six drop. Ugh, can't they give us like a two drop? They did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. His name is Jace and he's too good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, next one, number nine, Liliana Heretical Healer. So, this is, the, this is definitely... Creature Liliana. The top six or seven are, are kind of polarizing in a lot of ways. You guys might listen to this and be like, What? Like, how did Liliana Heretical Healer make it into the seven spot? No, um, this is ironclad, exactly what's true. <laughs> well, uh, we talked about this for a while. So, so, so like- Liliana, a lot of what the top 10 is, is, is cards that actually have seen and do well in tournament play regularly. Right. And are like, and a lot of them are key integral pieces of the decks or something that, you know, is obviously overtly powerful. And maybe that deck isn't, isn't tier one, but it's kind of the reason that deck is a tier at all. Right. Um, Liliana is a very important piece now of the Coco decks. Yep. It's kind of what allowed Coco between Coco, Cord, and her, you have a like make your own birthing pod situation that's very powerful. I feel like this should go into my Highlander Jun deck now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, usually that deck has one creature on the battlefield as the problem, and you don't really want the other creature to die. Well, but if it, the point is is okay, you have a two three lifelink, which is fine. Which is fine. And then if you something dies, you get it back that turn. Yeah, it's you true. can just bring it back. Like it makes it. It, it kind of does a weird Safi's Eric's daughter. Yeah. In that case scenario, and and and, and like putting this in Jund doesn't sound ridiculous, or pu- putting no. this more importantly in Junk, where you have Lingering Souls, like seems really good because your Lingering Soul token dies. She flips. Yeah. And then you discard another Lingering Souls you have in your hand. And she minuses. She minus twos to get you back Tarmogoy. Yeah, it seems really sweet. So sweet. <laughs> yeah, that seems insanely powerful. Plus, yeah. plus two each player discards a card like. She takes up to she takes up her ultimate so fast. Yeah, yeah, really, really. She's good. really good. Um, yeah, I mean, what's your ultimate? I just uh, don't even know. Minus eight. Uh, you get an emblem with whenever a creature dies, return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So yeah, that's really good. Gift of immortality on all your creatures. Yeah, yeah. and all of their creatures. Whenever a creature dies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really powerful for three. Um, again, we said it several times on this edition, but three mana planeswalkers are something to be like remembered. All of them. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right, number I wonder, eight. I wonder if the format's just going to get kind of like overrun with like three mana planeswalkers. I, I think not. that's partly because we're only talking about planeswalkers right now. <laughs> yeah, they all seem so good. <laughs> I agree, though. Uh, number eight, Tezzeret Agent of Bullis. This is maybe I have to think here. This is 
maybe top three favorite Planeswalkers for me. This might okay. be my favorite Planeswalker of all time. Yep, blue-black. Uh, uh, it pluses to look at the top five cards, and you get to put an artifact from that into your hand if you reveal it. Yep. And uh, minuses to make any artifact you control a 5-5. Five five. Yep. And it alts the turn after it comes into play, if you plus it, yep. to do twice the, the number da- of artifacts. Na- whatever amount of artifacts you have, you do damage to your opponent twice that amount, and you gain life for twice that amount. Yeah, so there's combo wins that you can set up with this deck that just, like, don't... The most I play this is is in uh, Legacy uh, Affinity, where I would just, like, the plan was do the Affinity thing, get them to some manageable life total under, you know, 14, because you're going to have seven artifacts in play, right? and then plus and minus him. And they're just, like, they lose. (laughs) This card does some really cool things. Um, It it interacts really favorably with Inkmoth Nexus. It can turn Inkmoth into a 5-5, and it remains a 5-5. It also interacts really well with Darkseal Citadel. It makes Darkseal Citadel into an indestructible 5-5. Yep, and it also means that the spell skites that you're playing in the early game are sweet, and they become 5-5s. Sure. They can redirect lightning bolts. It can also draw you into that spell skite. Like, like, this is a card that, once again, needs the, like, one more card in the artifact of the blue-black slot for it to be just that much better than it is to be a playable in the format. We have worked on not wonky, like, actually good Tezzeret lists together. I have two or three of them saved in my phone. I think, I think Tezzeret lists are the middle point between you and me on deck building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We both love Tezzeret. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you can do some really cool stuff. I mean, and soul artifact decks, you can do torpor orb decks that are just, like, try to shut down. Sure. Without twin, it's, like, less relevant. But right. there's still a lot of really, really good ETB creatures that torpor orb just shuts down. The combination of Spellskite and torpor orb as four ofs in your main deck, like, you can just win against 60 I do think Torpid Orb is much worse now without Twin. Yeah, agreed. It's still good against the Coco decks. Yeah. And that's a reason to keep considering it. Yeah, it's good against Snapcaster Mage. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Number seven. Yep. The Ugin the Spirit Dragon. So this is one where we were like in large disagreement on this. Um, not because we weren't of, the science, you were the deck doctors <laughs> and the card scientists. <laughs> I think that Ugin and the is flavor mystics <laughs> absurdly powerful. Like it's a seven loyalty planeswalker for eight colorless that plus two is the ever, lightning bolt. Have you ever played against this card? No, no, yeah, definitely. It's, okay, because it, it's it's insane. But okay, how many? <laughs> and it's insane, and it's and it's a staple of of Tron decks. Tron, I get that. Which is four different decks. <laughs> okay, like just just for the record, like if I was to just like search, you you go ahead and talk about Ugin really quickly. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna do something here. Is it, I mean, so what Ugin's are is it's pluses the lightning bolt a thing. Right. It's minuses to board wipe for X. Okay. All colorless thing or colored things. And it's minus, big minuses, reverse, uh, cruel ultimatum. You draw seven cards, put X permanence into play and gain X life. Right. Um, the ultimate's good, but what's really good is just lightning bolting for them forever and board wiping. He's an eight mana board wipe that in Tron is really a four mana board wipe that's really good because it leaves around a planeswalker that's going to bolt them every turn. So the point that I want to make here is just like if you go and you look at cards that cost eight mana that are rare or mythic rare in modern. It doesn't cost eight mana. It costs four mana. Okay, in Tron. I understand what but you're saying. But it's the only deck that's playing it. This is like the argument we talk about how good of a card is Splinter Twin versus how good is Splinter Twin in the Splinter Twin deck. And this is why I don't put Splinter Twin like high on my list and you do. Yeah, but everyone else on the planet agrees with me. <laughs> no, no, no. Like the, you got it. Eldrazi yes. Conscription. An- inherent, an inherent power level is important. And that's why this isn't number one. <laughs> and this is why, theoretically, the seven drop version of him is slightly better. But it's like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get you. It's I don't like I don't think a deck it's... exists because of this and, the, and another card on this list. And that's and it will see more tournament play than any of the other cards that we've mentioned. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to uh, Sunshine Linz. Um, who... Are you looking at eight drop mythics? I was, and then I just got my 1100th Twitter follower. Oh, nice. It's, Sun, it's Han, Sunshine Linz, who I don't know if you uh, are a Magic follower. 
But if you are, shout out. (laughs) It doesn't look like it. Nope. So you're not even going to know. But the rest of the world thanks you from me. (laughs) Tweet at him. Tweet at him. Magic facts. What's his Twitter? Uh, It is Sunshine Linz. That is spelled S-U-N-S-H-I-N-E-L-I-N-Z-Z. Han followed me. That is my 1100 follower. So so tweet at him and Ben with magic facts. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet at Sunshine Linz and thank... (laughs) Thank him or her. I'm trying to do the research to find out if it's male or female. Ugin's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) Number six, Gideon Jura. This is the original Gideon, five-mana Gideon. This is like... This is still from that era where they didn't know how to make Planeswalkers balanced. <laughs> because this card is super powerful. Super powerful. Yeah, uh, the really fact, like good. Basically, if you play him and they don't deal with him immediately, they really can't ever kill you. Right. Because his plus is so strong. Yeah, I mean, it, he, he, this is this is like another card. It's just hilarious. Like It's so clear the difference in play style and deck building style. Because this is another card I would never consider putting this in a deck. But I've also played against this card and gotten wrecked by it so many times. Like this card's very good. Right. This, this is this is another Karanos slot card, and this is really where it goes. In, and most decks take this w- instead of Karanos. Like right. if they don't have blue red, or blue red's more of a splash. But and before Karanos, this was Karanos. But he's in like especially like he was good against Twin even back in the day because like right. at worst it bought you a turn so that your five dot that you tapped out for it didn't kill you. Like there are just so many powerful things. It kills their creature if they're tapped, so it can come down kill a creature, and then it's a huge threat. Right. Uh, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> super, super sweet. All right, n- number five. We're in the top five. These are the top five Planeswalkers in Modern. Yep. So kind of of all time. Yeah. These these, arguably, in regards to Jace the Mind Sculptor, will probably see more Pro Tour tournament play than Jace the Mind Sculptor ever will. Yeah, because they will they're, never unban they're him. They're legal. <laughs> all right, number five, a Johnny Vengeant. This card, yeah, this is a card. The, the the heyday of this card, modern, was that era where Jun decks started splashing white. Um, when they were Jun junk decks, and they were playing just four color because it was like right after Bloodbraid Elf got banned. Yeah, and, and they were like, playing which Lingering like, Souls and a Johnny Vengeant. It was like GP San Diego, and like the, all the pros showed up with like four color Jun because um, like Deathrite Shaman was. It was like before Blood Moon became like a staple staple of the format. Because Deathrite had just gotten banned. Is that the yeah? Deal? De- uh, Deathrite just got banned. Yeah, with Bloodbraid, right? Bloodbraid was the year before. So both got... No, 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 no. Deathrite was still around. Bloodbraid yeah, Elf was banned. It was the year before. Deathrite allowed them to people play to the play four the four-color And that was when you started showing up as a four-of in all the decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I just remember like a Johnny Vengeance, and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. This card's really good. Right. If you haven't... So if you don't know what it does, it pluses uh, taps on a... Or keeps a permanent tapped. A permanent doesn't untap during the next untap step. It minus twos to lightning, lightning helix. helix. Which is do three damage and gain three life. Very and then it And when it ultimates, it blows up all your opponent's lands. Yeah. So what it, what's really powerful is it locks people out of their colors. That's yep. like the best thing to do with it is make it so they just can't cast their spells until you blow up all their lands. Yep. And worst case scenario, it kills a creature and gains you three life, buying back the stuff, the damage the creature was doing, and you just keep going from there. And if you can like stabilize and like hit some lands with it while you are ticking up, then you're going to get like multiple lightning helixes. Right. Or it locks down a creature. Like there's just so many things. This card for a while was the second most powerful planeswalker. Yeah. Or third. It was, it was like Jace. Another one that we'll talk about literally next, and then him as yep. the top three planeswalkers. Yes, very good. Speaking of which, Elsbeth Knight Arant, number four. So we put this at number four, and I guess we put it at number four it's just strictly because it's inherently powerful, but doesn't really see the fourth most modern play. Like, it doesn't see... This card barely sees modern play, but it's super good. I mean, it's like... sure. 
the gold standard in a lot of ways for a white planeswalker. Right, right. Um, and this is in that era when they designed Mind Sculptor, where it's like they just didn't quite. Know this was how the to... second best planeswalker. This is the first planeswalker to be over forty dollars. Yeah, it's white, white, two for a four loyalty planeswalker plus one. Put a white, white or a one, one white soldier creature token on the battlefield plus one. Target creature gets plus three plus three and gains flying until the turn minus eight. You get an emblem with artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and lands you control have indestructible. So what's interesting about this is not only did it protect itself. But it, it had two pluses. Right. So no matter what, you're getting towards that ultimate. The ultimate is a little less powerful because of that. Everything is indestructible is good, but it's not like yeah. insane, insane. Um, but I, I've felt very few feelings as glorious as... Halting a... No, no, no. Playing Geist on three and jumping him on turn four with Elsbeth. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's, that's six damage or nine damage in the air that they have to deal with. Ugh, yep. Glorious. Do it. Try it out. It's fun for everyone. Yeah, no, it's it's really really good. I like. I, I think our friend our friend Claude was playing in the top eight of a top eight of a PTQ back before the switch to PPTQs. I had like Costa Mesa a few years ago playing Zoo, and he had like two of these in the main deck as like his top end. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised more Zoo decks don't play a one of of this because yeah. it just is like a trump. And it, maybe it's a mana based thing where there are too many not enough lands, but like even I mean, then, like jumping Tarmogoyf seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it seems really good. <laughs> like attack for eight, attack for nine. Well, ta- I mean, and the turn you do it, you attack for eight or nine, you kill them because yeah. you've already hit them with your fast yeah. nacodles or whatever. Exactly. So yeah, you're definitely good. All right, top three. These are all pillars of the format as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah And yeah. see a ton of play. Number three, Karn Liberated. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. This, this is, is this is this is once again the Ugin problem for Ben. He no. thinks, oh no, okay. I see. I'm behind Karn, and the reason I'm behind okay. Karn is this: the power level of Ugin relative to the power level of Karn certainly higher. Ugin's a more powerful card than Karn, as it should be for one more mana when you get into that seven eight range. Right. However, the fact that you can natural a turn three Karn in in the Tron deck, like you're sure. you're able to. Now I, you said you do it a lot of the time. Even with expedition maps, I still think it's like thirty or forty percent of the time you have all three lands and the Karn on turn three. Um, but the fact that you can do that, and it largely is your opponent's ability to win the game, is like probably like five percent if you can get a turn three Karn. Yeah, unless they're like one of the two decks that, like Infect or Burn or Affinity, or where like, like Karn, like they just kill you that after you tap out on turn three. But or they like leak it or like something. Like Twin was a problem. The same thing is like it doesn't matter if they cast Karn, I just twinned you. Yeah, yeah. But if not that, then turn three Karn is like just game winner. And it's not to say that turn four Ugin's not. It's just that the deck's not built. The deck is not built to get you turn four Ugin consistently. Otherwise, it would be playing four Ugin. That would be the point. It's built to get you turn three Karn, and Ugin's like the icing on the cake. Sure. Ugin's just like your extra redundancy. Which I also think that turn four Ugin is not as good as turn three Karn. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, turn yeah. four is a whole different ballgame. Right, right. So Casting this, a four drop in general is harder to do than a three drop. I is, think it's easier to cast a turn four Ugin than it is to cast a turn three Karn. Because uh, it, it, you have four turns to find the lands you need. You also get the red green source to use Sylvan's Crying and yeah. Expedition Map. Like, There's more that goes on there. Totally. That's good for you. And that's why I think Karn is justified in the three slot, but I think Ugin might be pushed a little higher than he should. But sure. that's just my opinion. But back to Karn. What, yes. what does Karn do? Oh, yeah. Karn is uh, seven mana for a seven loyalty or six loyalty Planeswalker. I'm looking it up right now. I think he's seven loyalty. So I'll tell you, it, it pluses to exile a card in target opponent's hand. Yeah, it, seven loyalty, six loyalty for seven mana. Plus four, he goes to ten loyalty. Yep. Target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Minus three, exile target permit. Uh, and then minus 14, restart the game, leaving in exile all non-aura permanent cards, exiled with Karn Liberated, then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. I've ultimated Karns before. Um, it's a sweet feeling. <laughs> it's sweet. You sh- I, I feel like it's always wrong, though. To ult a Karn? Y- yeah. I feel like you're just going to win. If you can ult Karn, you're going to win. 
Yeah, unless exactly. unless you're like against twin or someone where they might just like I won out of yeah. left field. You should just keep carning them and beat them down with like the eventual yeah. one coil engine you draw or whatever threat you have. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, but yeah. it is super sweet. It's definitely sweet to be like, okay, we start the game over, but I have all of your good cards. Jeez, even after the MM2 reprint, he's still 52 bucks. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number two. This is the newest kid on the block to this to this top five I'm list. Already number two. Already. No- Actually, uh, the only card n- newer than it. No. We, like Gideon Alley of Zendikar is the only card printed after. Technically, there's one that's tied. Jace Fern's Prodigy. Yeah. Two drop planeswalker. A card that a good one. Probably missed how good it was for three months. No, it was like a, it was less than a month. Really? Yeah. Before the world caught up. Yeah. Well, standard caught up, but modern didn't catch up for a little. No, while. modern caught up really quick. Really? Like August is when we had that conversation with Patrick Chapin. That's when we did the Patrick Chapin episode in yeah. August, and the set came out in July. Okay. Yeah. And he was already <laughs> talking about how it's just ridiculously busted. Yeah. Just like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like we knew real quick. That- I, you know what it is? I, you know what it is? Is what always ends up happening is during spoiler season, we get these cards a few weeks before they actually come out. And that's when everybody's first opinions are being. Sure, sure, sure. We had three weeks not knowing how good it was. Yeah. And, and then, then like a week three... and a half or two weeks before we like really realize. Like we had a week or two where we realized, oh, this and card's then, good. And then like another two weeks before, like, oh, tournament no, no, no. results. This is like the best card printed in a long like time. possibly jace the mind sculptor good most expensive planeswalker and standard consistently since jace it's more like expensive than jace is now 80 to 90 dollars it's more expensive than jace you can buy yeah. this it's harder to get your hands on this than it is to get a, a jace the mind sculptor yeah. which is insane <laughs> yeah i mean i i got mine i have one i only own one and i think i bought it like for 40 and i was like ah, i don't want to pay 40 for this and oh I, just, I mean all mine are art Two of mine, I bought two at seventy, yeah, and then I bought, I got two though at Comic Con. Oh, the black ones. Yeah, those are sweet. Three hundred. There might be the most expensive card I own, and they will be. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) Unless they ban it because it's just busted. Yeah, yeah. It's a looter. Even then, because like it'll be one colorless zero two wizard taps to loot, uh, draw and discard. If you have five or more cards in your graveyard, flip him. And then he becomes Jace Telepath Unbound, who's a planeswalker. Um, His backside states. Uh, plus one, he's at five loyalty, so it goes to six. Up to one target creature gets minus two, minus oh until your next turn. Um, minus three, you may give an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard flashback. Um, and then minus nine... Kind of flashback, but sure. You get an emblem. Uh, minus nine, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, target opponent puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Um, so, so the moment I realized how nuts this was was actually in cube. It was a multiplayer cube. Five of us were playing at the same time. Craig, who, uh, if you listen to the command zone, often guests on there, um, casted it, like played it. And it was like literally the week it came out. Yeah. Like literally he got it with us at Comic-Con and he put it in his cube and then we played cube at Comic-Con. It yeah. was like this. And that was like, I think that was a week before the set was released even. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, no, for sure a week. That was the first place with well, a pre-release was Comic-Con weekend and we played it and it like, Literally, I spent the entire game just having to try and kill it because it was undefeatable. Like, he would, I would kill it and then he'd reanimate it somehow because it's cube. And then he'd just like time walk or do some other insane thing. Like, this yeah. card is the most insane thing I've ever seen being played. We should like do something sweet at Comic Con. Let's, 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 let's put out on the menu of things to talk about. All right. Yeah. One day. <laughs> Tell us what you guys think we should do at Comic Con. Yeah. We'll probably do a meetup. All right. Something cool. Number one. This is pretty obvious. You pretty much know what this is. <laughs> this is probably seen, uh, I mean, because of the Jace Mind Sculptor ban problem, this is one more or a bit more. GP and Pro Tour top eights than any other Planeswalker. Is this card going to get the Banhammer eventually? Just because, just, by, just by virtue of being oh, maybe. really good and they just like to shake things up? Liliana the Veil. Black, black, one. 
Plus one comes down on, on three, three loyalty. Plus minus one discard each player discards a card. Minus two. Target player sacrifice. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. Is and it opponent or player? Can you make yourself sack? Uh, it is. I think it's opponent. I think it's opponent. I'm not sure. I've never had anybody do it to themselves. Like. For any and then minus six. For, you get some sort of. Oh like, uh, no! Uh, you you factor fiction target opponents permanents. <laughs> yeah. You separate all the permanents in the two piles. They choose one of them and they get and they keep that pile. Target player sacks a creature. You yeah, can yeah. Sack yeah. Your own creature. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. She's really good. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, just casting her. Once you cast her, if she survives, they can't win. Like, they have to kill it within the next two turns or they lose, is my experience with the card. Like, it's really nuts. This card needs to go... Oh, my God, it's $111. I, like, miss the prices on these cards sometimes. Yeah. Uh, this has to go into my Esper Near Death deck in... What's it called? All right, let's, let's move yeah. on from Highlighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, in Modern, like, this is generally seen play in all of the Jun decks, all the Junk decks. Pretty much if you're playing Black yeah. and you're not being hyper-aggressive, you're playing Lily on the Veil. It's playing Eight Rack. It's like, playing... It's eight. good at... Like, it's good again. It's one of the reasons I think Geist doesn't see play is because it's just the best... One of the best cards in the format yeah. literally is great against it like and it, not it's good against control were, it's good I, against aggro decks it's so good <laughs> i mean geist is so overpowered that that's probably one of the reasons that liliana was designed the way it was designed I sure. Would imagine. sure 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 um it had to be like you had to you had to design a standard format where you had the foil at the same mana cost in you know the opposing strategy otherwise you you really can't print well they weren't in the same standard ever together yes they were weren't they? nope in jace was banned um no 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 not jace liliana yeah yeah i think liliana and jace no, no, Liliana and Geist. Oh, Geist, 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 Geist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. You can't sure, sure, print. Sure. I mean, Geist is really good, but you definitely need a card like Liliana that's going to be prominent and powerful if you want to print a card like Geist. Right, right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, something I did want to bring up, and I didn't bring it up because I wanted to save it for this. Uh, Karn is pretty much just seven mana Liliana on crack. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, it, it, literally, its three abilities are target player discards. You get exile card. Ec- from your hand. Kill a kill a thing that they have. Yeah. Or. Do some game breaking ultimate. Kind ultimate of doesn't matter. Start the game over with yeah. two two yeah. permanents to one. Right, and Lilian is like both of us discard, but really you're going to discard because I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah, I'll kill you. Kill a creature. You, yeah, I kill a creature. You're saying in this voice because it's just like the soft version. Yeah, it's 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 not as strong as corn. Right, <laughs> and then it's minus is like okay, you're you're gonna like go back six turns, and I'm going to be right. so much more advantaged than you. But like it's it's discard and removal spell. Yeah, at, at three mana because they also both come down on turn three. It's definitely really busted. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> It's consistently been, you know, one of the best cards in the format. I mean, if you really want to hear about it, go. We actually did a whole episode on oh, Liliana. Really on at one point, yeah. So That's I would right. go to that. That's probably the best thing to hear about it. That's it for the episode. That's the top sixty-one planeswalkers in order. Ironclad. This is the all order. All time. Yeah, of all time. <laughs> I guess once we get to hundred, maybe we'll revisit the list. Yeah, probably. Um, in a couple years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, unless they're just like all the planeswalkers, and you can't make that many. I mean, no, yeah, yeah, they won't. Do I? Th- I do think it's possible we're getting six out of this block. I just want more one and two mana planeswalkers. That's all I want. I don't even care if they're underpowered. <laughs> we, we eventually need to do our one mana. Yeah. So we'll, like, that's not not this episode. Kithion exists, end. by the way. Yeah, yeah Kithion um, exists. <laughs> um, um, we got some cool J submissions, actually, after we talked about that. Yeah. If you guys want to send us your Planeswalker, one mana Planeswalker submissions for each color, we'd love to look at them. The hilarious thing is that any one mana Planeswalker they ever print will be significantly less powerful than Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> it's just like, so funny. <laughs> they could print. Yeah, yeah, it will. There's no way. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the other band, Planeswalker, sure. other than Mind Sculptor. I actually have a good idea for a green one, but we, we'll talk about that later. All right. Okay. Uh, so this has been this has been great. Uh, I am uh, Alex Kessler. You can find me on Twitter at Kess Wiley. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Bateman Media. Thank you for my 1100th follower. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, check out the MM Cast on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure to check out our tw- uh, Patreon, make- Facebook. Uh, I am Twitch streaming, so and that's also right now where our Twitch goes when we live stream. So that's uh, 
twitch.com slash Xander574 with an X. Yep. And, and your movie talk thing. Oh, yeah. Action movie anatomy. If you love action movies, if you love hearing, like, who's the sweeter hero and, like, what's the fist pump moment and, you know, when's your F yeah moment, stuff like that. That's, uh, we do all that fun stuff on the show. And uh, we've covered 50 plus movies now. So if you just go to youtube.com slash the popcorn talk network, the show is called Action Movie Anatomy. If you have any trouble finding it, just YouTube search Action Movie Anatomy. You'll see we've got like yep. 50 plus episodes now. So this is going to be a little dated because, and this oh. is a little bonus thing about the new Planeswalkers, since yeah. we're talking about Planeswalkers, uh, I'm going to tell, I'm going to guess where they're placing. I have no idea where Soren is. I might mention him and we're probably going to know what it is by the time this episode gets released. Sure. Uh, I do think the werewolf one is probably in the top. And Werewolf and Nahari Nahiri right. are both in the top 30. Okay. I think they're closer to top 20 even. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. Last time on Masters of Modern. Wait, I thought we were going to... You didn't have music, music, music intro? I'm going to do that after. All right, start over. Okay.